And welcome back, everybody, to our podcast of No More Leadership BS. And we are back with our cast of characters, Mr. Jeff McLaughlin. What's up, everybody? <laughs> oh, my voice got high. I'm sorry. Uh, we have a special guest. You went into your Mickey voice. Uh, uh, Mr. Jeff Geyer. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And Sam is wearing the, the threads. Dr. Sam Jennings. <laughs> Happy to be here. And again, the rose amongst the thorn, Myra Hall. Hey, so happy to be here and to have Lee here. I, and I told him the story before we got started. My my grandson and my granddaughter are just huge fans of Disney World. And I just found out the other day that he has the same birthday as Mickey, which is so it's so appropriate. And I just thrilled to have you with us today, Lee. Thank you so much. But he's not ninety three, right? No, <laughs> he was twenty. The birth date, not the oh, yeah. Date. Okay. okay, yeah. Same birthday, guy. Okay. Anyway, well, hi everybody. <laughs> well, we are excited today because we have a special guest, and we already gave it away who it is. But let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Cockrell. Mr. Cockrell is the former executive vice president of Walt of for operations of Walt Disney World, where he oversaw forty thousand cast members. 20 hotels, four theme parks. I think Lee knows a thing or two about leadership. One of the, his background also includes working uh, eight years with the Hilton Company, Hilton Hotel Company, and the Marriott Company. And in 1990, he joined Disney to help open Disney Paris. And then he got moved over to, to Disney World. Lee is the author of four books, Creating Magic, or as I call it, my Bible, Creating Magic, the customer rules, which I'm now starting to hand out more and more, career magic and time management magic. Lee started the Cockrell Academy, which I am a part of. He sends out a newsletter called The Main Street Leader, and he has a long-running podcast called Creating Magic that he does with my friend Jody Mayberry. My experience with Lee was I was looking for a new fundraiser, and I actually sent an email to Lee, and within two hours, he wrote me back. And after a few minutes of fangirling of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, please hear the story. We brought him to Coeur d'Alene where I used his talents to entertain our community for two and a half days. And since then, Lee has always been there for me whenever I needed him to discuss starting my new company, Conroy Leadership Consulting. He has been there with videos endorsing me. Lee is a true friend and I Think the world of that man and his wife, Priscilla. And it's nice to have you here, Lee. Sir, I'd like to be out there again. That was a great place to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Hitland. I'd like to get hired again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest. I had both he and his son, Dan, who is also, he's, I can't believe Dan's retired. Dan's retired uh, as vice president of Magic Kingdom. I was going to have them both here. And then COVID came. And Daniel is in town. He went off to somewhere to work this morning. I don't know where he is. In Orlando? They'll be here for a month. He and Valerie's over at our beach place. And Daniel's working and going to IAPA, which is that big uh, conference for theme parks. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And he's living oh, yeah. in Colorado now. Good to have him here. That's fantastic. One of the things that, that connected me with Lee was in the nonprofit world, I wanted to put together a training program for my team and I wanted everybody to have the same foundation. And I'm a Disney file, love Disney, love the Disney leadership philosophy a lot. And I came across this book, Creating Magic. And it's to this day, 
the only leadership book that I believe in about 99.999%. Everything he says in that book made me a believer. And uh, so I created a curriculum out of that and trained my staff in creating magic, which spawned the Vinny University where we did leaders lunches and we did. And that's what brought Lee to Coeur d'Alene was that was part of Vinny University was bringing a leadership speaker. But one of the things that Lee really talks about is being a teacher to other people and working with other people. I know Lee sees himself as a teacher and he truly is with everything he does and in his books. When you read his books, you can hear him talk. And that's, I love that. So what made you want to be a teacher? I was a jerk for the first half of my career and I, it was all about me and I wanted to be in control and manage people and get all the perks. I wanted the car and the promotion and the stock options and it was about me. And about halfway through my career, I came to a recollection that this is probably not the way to do it. My mother and grandmother would kill me if they knew I was treating people this way. And I just slowly got... I didn't trust people. So I was in charge and I abused my authority back in the early days. And um, so I started making a fairly, I became aware of that. My my nickname was Doberman. So I thought that could be a problem. Uh, I, I'm a cocker spaniel now. <laughs> I said, I can bite, but I don't. And, uh, and uh, so slowly but surely, I started seeing the value of trusting people and hiring the right people and letting them do their jobs and me not having to know everything and me not having to approve everything and control everything. And because when you hire great people, you don't have to do all that. And so slowly but surely, my confidence got better as I had more success in my career. And that's how I moved over to I saw I've been training and teaching you know, I taught time management for 35, 36 years, even Marriott. And, and I just wanted to pass that on because it had such a uh, great effect on my own career. The ability to get things done, to learn how to prioritize things, how to delegate. I was disciplined, but I didn't have a system for, because you get older and move up or have a family or whatever goes on in your life, you get more and more to do. And it's a big problem right now across the world. People are really suffering from anxiety of uh, the, this uh, pressure on them to how do you get it all done? Yeah. And so uh, I started teaching more and, and I really get a lot of satisfaction when I hear back from people say, thanks for that talk you had with me 15 years ago. Or thanks. I, I, I still hear from people at Disneyland Paris who say, I'm still using the time management system you used. And I think everybody hates their boss anyway. So being a teacher is much more satisfying. <laughs> and uh, it's just uh, when you do that, people are, they trust you and they, when you're teaching and training them. You care about them, think about them, and they do the job for you. I always used to say your people won't be committed to you unless they're 100% sure you're committed to them. And we see a lot of people walking out of the workplace right now because they're, they've learned. My boss doesn't care about me. And there's going to be a lot of changes in the workforce. The, yeah. the $15 or the whatever it is per hour is not going to do it anymore. No. You're going to have to give a lot more than that. And uh, people, it's a wake-up time. Yeah. And company, a lot of companies are still resisting it, but they won't because it's, I don't think it's going to ever come back to what it was. People are going to have to get a job, but they got a lot more choices now. And, and the big companies are making changes very quickly. Oh, yeah, you can work from home. Oh, yeah, we'll give you $20 instead of 12 And uh, we'll pay for your college. And we'll, uh, yeah. I didn't even realize Google the other day. They, if somebody dies in their company, they pay half the person's salary for 10 years. And really? Take care of the kid's college. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. I didn't, didn't even know that, but, and you wonder, anyway, it's interesting what's happening now. Yeah. Uh, it changed so fast overnight. 
Yeah. One of my one of my favorite quotes in your creating magic when he's trying to figure out what kind of leader he wants to be is uh, and and Lee I may be paraphrasing this incorrectly but he being a Doberman an employee got mad and he ended up getting stitches and he had to go to the hospital and get stitches and second time someone threw an ashtray at him and hit him and he had to go get stitches and his wife goes do you think maybe it's your leadership style. <laughs> you know? Actually, he said, "Do you think it's the way you talk to people that they want to hit you?" <laughs> and that made me even more nervous. So I, <laughs> you got to be careful. She knows where you sleep. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I only have 16 stitch, stitches from violence in the workplace. <laughs> and by the way, those two people had a bad attitude. Yeah. And I, uh, we didn't uh, tell my son. We didn't tell Daniel. We just said that, that his father, that I had fallen down the stairs. We didn't say he goes to work and gets beat up every day. <laughs> he had the place on earth. Daniel was two then. That probably was not a good thing. Gang, I don't know if you know this, but when you walk down Main Street and you look up on the windows, there's names on the windows. And these are Disney legends in my eyes that employees that the cast members vote on. That if they think they are worthy, um, they vote to put their name up on a window. And above the watch shop on Main Street in Disney World, Magic Kingdom, is Lee's name. So Lee is a Disney legend. Don't let, yeah. him, don't let him tell you otherwise. Tell Priscilla I'm a legend. <laughs> I'd say in your own mind. <laughs> One guy the other day, I gave a seminar. did spent some personal time with this nonprofit guy. He does a lot of work for kids who are sexually abused and he and his wife do and he told the organization that i was a national treasure so i got priscilla in here to hear that did you know i'm a national treasure <laughs> are we recording this i need proof <laughs> yeah. she told me to take the trash out so <laughs> national treasures still have chores yeah you can be that when you get back yeah. Someone once well, said, I'm a, I'm a trophy husband. And my wife goes, what <laughs> stupid contest did I win? <laughs> so anyway, that's a big jump from uh, having an employee actually yeah, throw actrays or get physical with you to the point you had to go to the hospital to employees recognizing you by memorializing your name on a window on Main Street. So could, could you point to one or maybe two things that that you use to help that transition. Obviously, there's a some kind of tipping point. Maybe it was that. My story is, and maybe not too dissimilar to yours. Um, sounds like Priscilla helped you too by just saying, "Why are you being such a jack wagon?" But but <laughs> can, can you can you point to one or two things yeah. that helped you on that transition? There was one major one is when I was with Marriott. I was vice president of half of the U.S. for the food and beverage operations, and I went out to El Paso. I put that in my book, one of my books. And the director of food and beverage who I was going to visit, I'd never met him before, never been to El Paso, actually, to the Marriott. And when I got there, he was hadn't gotten back yet. He had been transported to the hospital for observation because he had gotten dizzy and fainted. Turned out it was because I was coming. And he was really stressed out because my reputation, well, that's the problem. Your reputation gets there before you do. Right. Leo will find something wrong. He's tough. He's hard. He always finds things wrong. You Boy, this is going to be a bad day for you. And he and I talked about it at dinner that night. And that really was a turning point where I 
the light kind of came on of this is ridiculous. And I was figuring nobody was going to come to my funeral. So I needed to get to work on my reputation. And I started going to seminars. I started reading more about leadership. I started, you know, it was hard because anybody that's like I was, is it's a lack of self-confidence. If somebody's yelling at you or screaming at you or blaming you or using profanity. I guarantee you it's there. They got issues. And I had issues. I grew up in Oklahoma. My mother was married five times. I grew up in a poor farm. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16 by husband number four who had money, who sent me to college because he had money. And I went for two years to Oklahoma State, but I forgot one key thing is go to class. And so I went yeah. out and went, went in the army. And now here I am 20 years old and all of a sudden I start as a waiter and a year and a half later, I'm in management. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I was good at getting things done. That was the one strength. Very reliable, credible. I'd get it done. I'd leave bodies everywhere, but I'd get it done. And uh, so that was working pretty good because I just kept getting promoted. And they kept, I had bosses who just wanted it done. And they, and eventually that was, I just got it, had an understanding of myself. That's probably not the long-term way to do things. And so I started thinking about it, reading about it, thinking about it. And. It was a slow process. I would say probably took me 10 years to work my way out of that attitude. And when I, by the time I got to Disney, I was in good shape and with confidence and also that ability to let go and to be clear with people and clarity of expectations. And so I just got better. And then I started getting really great feedback. I was helping people and that you can trust Lee and if you. That kind of stuff builds, it builds. So you start to get more secure as you hear it at his work. And so it worked out. So I got now people will, will have to put the big screens up outside when I die. So they'll have to watch on, uh, Ow. on, <laughs> on it is going it, it'll be coming in on zoom and internet, <laughs> be uh 1495 a person. Always <laughs> making money. Oh, Priscilla. Priscilla. <laughs> right. These uh, are master charge, whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> but it, you know, it's, uh, right. I think one of the problems in life is we don't have a good conversation and admit that they say you know, you're not a product of your circumstances, you're a product of your decisions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can take, you can go left or right and then not to go left anymore, but you keep going there. It's a decision thing. And we always want to blame everything on somebody else. But it's really, the minute I quit aggravating Priscilla, she got better. It's amazing. Weird, huh? Yeah. 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 And Lee, you mentioned, obviously, ashtray thrown at you isn't, is a pretty good indication. You mean it? It wasn't thrown, actually. He kept it in his hand while he hit me over the head. Oh, okay. You're actually attacked. What's well, better? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. That's a pretty obvious sign, but for, for some of our listeners that might be resonating with, oh, maybe this isn't the right way to go. Maybe this, maybe I need to change things. What are some of the signs that they may, may recognize so that they can pivot before they get hit with ashtray? Before, before they blow up their life, before they ruin everything that they work so hard to build. Well, I think one is people avoiding you. They don't trust you. I think uh, not coming to you. Very, yeah, you, you don't have a comfortable relationship with them. You can tell. They don't see you very often. Your feedback's always negative. And you can tell, I think, being available for them when they want to see you and, and not getting people in trouble and being confidential and 
reinforcing every time you meet with people that I'm here. I'm not going to get you in trouble. I want to help you. What can I do? What do I need? And uh, then what happens is you get a reputation. And I, I had 60, 50, 60,000 people, but they, my reputation took care of me having a better relationship with them because when you help people, they go talk about it. And one lady at worked for me said, I hear you're saying good things about me behind my back. <laughs> I said, and there is something to that. Good or bad, it all comes back. And it's a better ability. I said, be the kind of leader that you would like your children to have when they get in the workforce. Yes. Every, everybody can ask themselves that question. You can test yourself every morning. Is it? Do you, are you the kind of leader you want your children to have when they enter the workforce, when they get out of college, when they have their first job? That's uh, probably the truest test you can give yourself. So would it be fair to say that if you're not focused on your people, your focus is in the wrong place? Oh, absolutely. And if your focus is on golf instead of your wife, you will be married a couple of times. <laughs> you might have a good golf score, though. I mean, I've improved dramatically because Priscilla said she's going to stay. I know. It. <laughs> she didn't always say that. And we've been married 53 years. So Congratulations. That's I'm, awesome. I'm a, we're on the last quarter of the track. <laughs> wow. Again, yeah. escalating. And I think it's that simple. The bottom line is it's probably you. It's not them. <laughs> so, it's always so think everything that, you think. Yeah. yeah. So, and you've mentioned some great introspection uh, from leaders who, that they recognize folks aren't coming to them or questions aren't coming their way. How can other folks nudge those leaders and say, what you're doing, maybe getting monetary results, but it's not working for the people. How do you have that conversation? Yeah, I think people are looking for the magic way to do that. And the best way is to be uh, clarity of expectations. Number one, when you hire people, how we work around here and what I expect from you and what you can and can't do here and don't even think about it. And we, we go in depth about intimidation, like sexual issues, intimidating people, telling inappropriate jokes, not being available for your team, all of those things. I think clarity of expectations is the biggest problem in the world because people, it's hard to be clear because mm -hmm. it's hard. And I said, people don't want to do the hard things because, you know, it's hard. No, right? <laughs> you know, I have a hard conversation with somebody that it, oh, wait, we'll hope they get better. No, you wouldn't do that with your children. If they run in the streets, you don't wait till their annual review. You get them in and you, you talk to them and make clarity. I said, raise your expectations and the magic will follow. And it's mainly where the fault. Guarantee, if you got somebody working for you and they're not doing the right thing, one of three things probably happened. You hired the wrong person. You weren't careful enough. You didn't train them properly and be clear with them about attitude and, and technical, all the things they need to do. Training just like mothers only worry about health. Safety and education for their kids. <laughs> and if we worried about that in the workplace, safety mentally and education. And the third thing, you probably don't treat them right. Well, that's why I say the key today is hire them right, train them, treat them right. And you'll be surprised how many people don't leave. <laughs> but if you hire the wrong person, you don't take your time, you don't uh, interview properly, you don't train them, you don't have time, and you treat them like crap, there you go. I wonder why they... <laughs> <laughs> it's you. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you should keep track of people in the organization of who hired each person and go look it up when they're failing. And find out if you have a trend. Yeah. You have a trend. It's like exercise. People say that nobody exercises because it's hard. <laughs> it's the only reason. It's the only reason. 
I had a guy write me and he said, Lee, uh, I saw you and Priscilla work out with weights and agility and balance training. I said, yeah, we don't want to break a hip. We're getting old. Right. And he said, I tried that. I quit. Those weights are heavy, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the hard decisions you got to make are hard or they're heavy. They're heavy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when you, if you don't do the hard things, life that's going to bite you and it's just a matter of time for you're going to pay for that. Yeah. So taking the easy route is deadly. I was that person early in my career. I didn't know how to fire somebody. I'd let it go. I didn't know how to talk to them. It was very intimidating. I went along to get along, play the game. I was probably telling the inappropriate jokes and hey, 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 it's funny. And yeah, and you got to, uh, you got to come to Jesus. Who, what, are, who are you? Yeah. Right. You know? So isn't that really metaphor? Be careful what you say and do every day. People are judging you. And right. And, uh, Today, that you you really got to be careful. You can't uh, be loose with your lips there, yeah. and uh, and it's hard, especially it's for hard. men. Men get in trouble. Women don't get in so much trouble. Men, yeah, <laughs> men uh, have a problem. Yeah, my wife will call me sometimes after a few congressmen and things do stupid things, and she says, "Well, the men are misbehaving again today." <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, really think about it. When you yeah. think about who misbehaves, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Now there's some leaders. We got some new women in Congress that are pretty bad too. <laughs> we're not even sure they're women. So we're going to. All right. Do you know what I mean? Think about all the oh, yeah. in your life. And get, you know, yeah. Behavior. Yeah. Some are your relatives. Are you? We've got, yeah. And you can change. It's never too late to get better. It's never too late to get over that and stop it. It's never too late to talk to your people and say, we need to, I need to be different. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not proud of how I was for the last year. I'm going to go. There you go. Yeah. For everybody. I see. We know already. We know. We just don't know how to deal with it and how to hit the restart button and get over that. People will forgive you if you apologize and move on. But if you keep doing it. Yeah. And we know better. <laughs> we know yeah. better. Yeah. And you see that change, that transition with the weightlifting metaphor. It's hard, it's heavy, and you don't get results right away. So about how long do you suspect people need to change behavior before they see results in others? You said your journey was a decade. When people start changing behavior, when can they see other folks? Realize I think it was even a change was seen. I, I left Marriott because I will tell you one thing. If you've got a bad reputation and you're, and mine wasn't a bad reputation for performance. It was just this guy, be careful around him. And people don't forget. It was better I left and went to Disney because mm -hmm. people have long memories. Mm -hmm. And it's a dog that bit you and the owner says, I took him to discipline school. Go ahead and pet him. As my, I had a relative said, don't pet that dog or you'll get bit. <laughs> I said, yeah. And the dog, and that's us. Sometimes people are, has he really changed or? And Americans are really good at putting on a good face. Oh, yeah, we're nice, we're sweet, we're Christian, blah, blah, blah. And then they stab you in the back and... Real friends stab you in the front. Yeah, it gets real. <laughs> I mean, really, this is... So it depends, but I can say you can make the change when you... If people are new, they'll see a different change right away. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing about if you really believe you're going to make the change, to get your people to go and say, hey, let me tell you. I know that I, and just tell them, people love that when you say, I'm sorry, I've been acting like I was, I didn't realize it was me. And because it's, it's in your brain lies to you. half that stuff in your brain. It happened to you when you're seven, eight, six, five, four years old. And now it's up there. There's stuff in your brain you don't even know is there. And it comes back out and makes you react in a way that like overreact or mm -hmm. anger or God knows why. 
Well, we do it. So I tell people, remember two things. Half the stuff in your brain is not true. Half of it you don't even know is up there. Half the stuff your parents taught you is not true. Black <laughs> people are not a problem. Gay people are not a problem. Hispanics are not a problem. Yep. Uh, Episcopalians are not a problem or Catholics <laughs> or Jews or Arabs. And that's your brain lies because you don't know any better because you've never been anywhere. You don't have any exposure. You don't have any experience and you got fair you got no education. And those are, that's reality. You get out of your village. I tell young people today, as soon as you graduate, get out of your village, go to the big city, San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, New York, work for five years, and you'll be a better person. Tell me, call me when you have, call me when you have friends named Mohammed. Yeah. And Jose and Jorge. Call me then. So my, my son, who was born and raised here in North Idaho, went to college in Los Angeles. And he went to a college where Caucasians are my a lot of Middle Eastern, a lot of, and he loved it. And what's really funny now, he works for Warner Brothers, <laughs> and he's the only Caucasian on their diversity group. Mm. I said a skinny white kid from North Idaho is is on their diversity group. I thought that was cool. I, mean, I thought that was really cool, and I applauded for doing that. That's what exposure does to you. It, yeah, exposure is the truth. Experience is the truth. You can read anything you want in school books, but until you smell it, taste it. Live it, date it, marry it. It's just a matter that, we, And a lot of parents don't want their kids to leave. You're going to stay here. We don't want you to leave. Yeah. Let me tell you, I got out of Oklahoma. I was a potential racist, potential bigot, because I did, I'd never been anywhere. Yeah. So then I went in the Army, I found out, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. If you don't like people from other places, don't go to Washington. <laughs> you know, because, and I learned, I, and in the hospitality business, everybody's from yeah. somewhere and those become the people you go out with after work and date. And That's so and cool. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's so I cool. Probably God. I mean, they left the gate open that night. I got out of Oklahoma and never went back. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> and you, all of us need to figure out which gate's keeping us in. We'll be continuing our conversation with uh, our special guest, Lee Cockrell. Next week, where I am sure that he has more golden nuggets, sage wisdom, and just a little extra spice to add to your life. Until then, have a wonderful week and stay well.